One of the best things about being me is taking a few risks. So I wanted to meet with a good friend of mine who's a fellow educator. I wanted to sit in a coffee shop setting. I wanted I wanted people to hear, you know, the, the random interruptions people. I wanted my listeners to kind of hear what we expect our classrooms to be like sometimes. Uh, multiple conversations going on, people smiling, enjoying themselves. Uh, not everyone's focused on the same thing at the same time, and that's not what we always want. But on this episode of Talking Back to the Teacher podcast, I wanted to bring my friend Meredith on. Um, we we move in similar circles when it comes to career and then also passion that is not a career yet, but maybe one day could be a career. So we'll pick up this conversation in the coffee shop in Plano, Texas, and we'll just unpack a few things, starting with what it's like to be a middle school teacher, because I don't know about you, for me, that was my most awkward age, I believe. You're just understanding the world a little bit better. Your body is changing. Your way of thinking is changing. Your circle of friends might morph as well. But then we also talk about education, life, parenting, and then also how to take this vision we have of our hobbies and passions and maybe take a risk on it and see if it becomes a career. So, Meredith, now is your time to talk back to the teacher. Are your middle schoolers like that? Oh gosh, yes. Dude, chill out. I heard myself on my parents' answering machine. I was like appalled. <laughs> yeah. I know my voice is deeper than it. No, it wasn't. It was not. Smooth is not a word I would use. You can always count on them to keep you be humble. Really honest. <laughs> like, man, are your middle schoolers like that? Oh gosh, yes. Super yeah. just honest and they didn't Very. know what they said was gonna offend you. No filter. <laughs> and at the most awkward moments say random stuff, you yeah. know, like or just not really having the the social cues to understand if it's rude or not, you know what I mean? Like, you're like my third favorite teacher. Like um, okay. <laughs> you only have five. Uh, so I'm... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, did you like karate chop him, drop kick him in the throat, or did you like suplex him? No one told you that that's highly inappropriate to ask your female teacher. Right. Told the kid after class, like, hey, your question today was highly inappropriate. And if you're not aware of that, I'm letting you know. So, I would not advise you going to your next period teacher and asking them that either. That's middle schoolers, right? If they say super inappropriate stuff, I always just tell them that I'm going to make them call their parents and say that over the phone and explain what it means to them and tell them that they said that to their teacher. Oh, that's good. And usually that will get them to not say it again. (laughs) I had a student say something really inappropriate in class once. Her name was Gabby. I was like, listen, no, not in my class, not now. Here, Here's, here's what you said. You write it 50 times, have you take it home and get it signed by your mom. And she was like, there's no way my mom can know that I said that. One of the best filters you can use in your mind is, can I say this in a room with my parents being here or my grandparents being here? Feel free to pick up the phone. You've got a phone. Call your mom and be like, Mom, uh, my teacher's giving me permission to call you right now to tell you that I had the audacity to say X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So. so even with all that awkwardness, you Middle school is where you're still hanging your hat. <laughs> still hanging out, hanging my hat there. Still hanging on. You know, there's a lot of reasons, really, why I have stayed where I'm, where I am. Um, I think I have a lot of fun in my job. You know, I never thought I would teach junior high. That was never like. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, a career goal for me. Yeah. I always thought I would teach kindergarten. Yeah, I was gonna say you and, had little um, ones. Yeah, and I and I did in preschool for 13 years, and it was great. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I worked with great people. I, I just I got to have fun every day, and you know, little kids are just so sweet and. You know, even on their worst days, there's just a, an innocence, innocence about them, yes. you know. They um, lose that as they get older. Yeah. And they just get so excited about everything, you know. And I love that excitement. Um, so I thought I would go into kindergarten. And then um, I kind of got to where I was like, I needed something different, you know. I'd yeah. done the same thing for a long time. And so... Um, yeah, I thought I would move up the ranks to like older elementary students. And then in college, I had to take like a class where you go observe students. And I ended up at Edie Walker Middle School in Dallas, yeah. observing a seventh grade English class. And I was just like, this is so fun. <laughs> you know, the kids were sweet, but they were kind of silly. And she was teaching a novel. I think it was The Outsiders. Oh, uh, um, yeah, that was seventh grade for Yeah. Me. And the discussion was great, but then they were also still just like really sweet. And, and also as part of my degree, I had to take some like advanced literature courses and just really got into like studying literature and then decided I thought, you know, eventually I'd do, I'll made, let me dip my toe into junior high for a bit and then I'll move on to high school. Yeah. But you know, you, you kind of get in a place that you, you enjoy and it feels like home to be there. I love the people I work with. I have friends that I've, in fact, one of my dearest friends is the lady that I student taught with at uh -huh. Westwood, and we're Aww. still great friends. I love my people there. You know, anywhere, any job where you have a little bit of seniority, it's just kind of a comfortable place to settle into. So I think eventually I'll move on to high school. That, I think on, that would be up. fun. Come on up. I don't know. I don't know that high schoolers would um, get as much enjoyment out of my, like, costumes and silliness you know yeah. certainly mean, not like juniors or seniors maybe freshmen would get on board with that but not in the same way you know we have teachers that dress up for <laughs> on may the 4th multiple teachers put their hair in buns like princess leia mm -hmm. um, there's kids walking around with lightsabers teachers with lightsabers and then you know, randomly see like a kid on his phone recording two teachers having a lightsaber fight in the hallway and it's probably not as entertaining as what you see in sixth and seventh grade. They love it, but yeah, you do get to dress up. You get to be, you get to show a goofy side of yourself. To yeah, kids and, be a little theatrical. They, they embrace it. So oh, they love it. Yeah, that's and, awesome. You know, there's a handful who are too cool for school and are just kind of like <laughs> eye rolls and whatever. But but then they're they're um, they're always the ones to ask. When is Grammar Grammar Granny coming back? You know, Grammar Granny Taxwell. So she's probably the biggest favorite. Yeah. Um, because she's kind of snarky and mean to them. Oh, she got a little sass, huh? <laughs> and what something about middle schoolers? They love that. That's their mode of humor is like roasting each other. You know, oh, yeah. that's what they 100. do. Oh yeah, one hundred. And so she 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 can throw some quips, and they 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 kind of like that. You yeah. Know? Um, okay. It's fun. It keeps it interesting for me and for them. It's some, you know, any novelty, anything out of the norm is always good, right? No matter if you're yeah. pre-K or an adult. Not that grades don't count in junior high, but like everything counts in high school. And yeah, there's less wiggle room to, to make mistakes and, and learn from them without. I guess the older you get, the more severe consequences can become as well. Yeah. But yeah, there's a 
still a safety net in middle school, right? Graduation yeah. isn't on the line. Yep. And no matter how poorly they do in eighth grade, yeah. they can always turn over a new leaf in ninth grade and, you know, and be perfectly successful in school yep. and, you know. I don't know how often that that happens, but I have oh, heard that they flip, you know, like a switch gets flipped in ninth grade, and it's like, oh, I gotta graduate. Grammar Granny, I've seen before. I feel like I've seen a picture of that one. So they really loved when I dressed up as Edgar Allan Poe. That was a, that was a oh, really? favorite. Okay. Um, that was really my Halloween costume, but I did kind of try to stay in character a little bit that day. But we had studied some some of his yeah. work. They, they could recognize it, and that was cool. That was just a fun costume for me. I, Pokemon, um, what else? A Wendigo. <laughs> and we did uh, folk tales and fairy tales and yeah. aliens. Really? For, well, they did like a, they had read some science fiction, and they had like, we did like a UN, United Nations style, like conference, but they each had designed their own like planet yeah. and colony and they were coming together to you know oh, you put a lot of effort into this. decide on some like major issues that were affecting the entire universe yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great i like that it was fun. They, of it. they they had a lot of fun with it so do you see a ton of technology what, what's your school's cell phone policy we're, we're no cell phones in the classroom okay which is beautiful i love yeah. it there, we are one to one, you know, with Chromebooks. So technology is a pretty big part um, of what you guys do. Of what we do. Although this year, I will say I have scrolled way back on technology, and I feel like the, you know, the engagement has actually been up when it's more face to face, whole class discussions, and um, they interact with text better on paper, no matter yeah. what they say. You know, some of them like to read online, but I think there's still a lot of statistics show that comprehension is better. When it's like, it, yeah, but, and they can yeah. interact with it that way. We tend to scroll when it's online and technology I like as a tool, but I don't know, this is where I guess I'm kind of a little more old school in some ways because I, you know, just like to pull out good old, like a good old note card. I will work the heck out of a oh, note yeah. card. I use note cards all the time. <laughs> I tell students all the time, especially in a class you're struggling. And I was like, what's your note taking process? Like all of our notes are on Google Classroom. And I was like, no, 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 no. What's your note-taking process like? Because if you go back to research strategies and whatnot, like it's one thing to write down notes. It's another thing to write them a second time, or it's one thing to copy something from a board. And I have students that come with, like math, for example, entire math notebooks. And I was already oh, got all these notes. They're like, man, I was just writing what my teacher wrote. Yeah. Oh, but did you understand it? Like, no, not at all. That's why I'm in your office. Okay. What about flashcards? I don't use flashcards. I always have... 500 neon index cards and they saved my life in college it might sound like it was a long time ago but as i'm taking notes listening to lectures copying whatever anytime i hear uh, like an abundance of words that i'm not familiar with i have to write them down and then revisit them again because the next day i'm in class i hear more words that i'm not familiar with so note taking is key but it's good for understanding because you have to review it and go over it again they say that works well for sat prep Say that works well for reading comprehension. Say it works well just for reviewing specific words over and over and over again. Yeah, I think note cards. I'm glad you said I can work with note cards because yeah. I love a good note card. Overall well-being of humans, I think sitting at a screen all day long is just not good for you. It's not um, healthy. And especially, you know, their brains are still developing. They're 
they're still just kids. Yep. Um, they need to learn how to talk to each other, you know, social skills and things like that. They, I think are missing more and more because we are on screen so much more. I'll tell them, put that thing away. I say, hey, can you close your computer and join the human race for a little while? <laughs> <laughs> Be a human for a minute, you know, interact. So. Shifting gears for a second. So I read a stat that said that within the U.S., classrooms are short. 300,000 educators, and like you said, at some point you may move to high school. Magically, if you had a fix for being short 300,000 educators, what do we need to fix that? It's like the million dollar question. Golly, there's so many facets to that. Oh gosh. <laughs> Obviously, there's not going to be one magic wand fix. Nope. Um, but I definitely think, well, I would say two things. Obviously, I'm going to say raise teacher pay. Yeah. Uh, because even though some districts are giving teachers small raises, yeah. they're not. it's not enough to compensate for, you know, inflation. Cost of living, inflation. Um, yep. And I know well, we get a lot of time off and this, that, and the other. And I understand that. But there are a lot of those times when we are still working. Uh -huh. And a lot of teachers that are spending those summer months teaching summer school or doing other side gigs because they need to be able to make ends meet. Now, if you're, you know, a 25-year-old fresh out of college and you're making a starting teacher salary, you're probably doing okay. Yeah. But for someone who's thinking about retirement or trying to support a family, um, it's not, it's just not really a livable wage that should be expected out of what we would consider a professional job. Yeah. Now, having said that, I think that we should um, hold teachers to a higher standard and I'm probably going to piss some teachers off with that. But like <laughs> the way that pay is salaried out to us is um, it's, it's not incentivized in any way. So there isn't any incentive to be a really stellar teacher unless right. you just have the passion to do so. Yep. And there is a huge temptation to be mediocre because you can't be great all the time. If there's just the, the requirements of greatness in this job are, are too much. And so there comes a point where you're like, I'm working really, really hard and I'm still coming up short at the end of the month. And so what, what so am I why doing? why am I working right. that hard? Yeah. So if you, if you were to, you know, increase teacher pay, but then also like better teacher training and allowing teachers to have fun with teaching, be more creative, but show, be more creative, but then show them how, you know, um, which then ties into like standardized testing and curriculums, right? We've got to do something about standardized testing. As much as we complain about it, even people who don't even have kids in school complain about it. Yeah, they have no idea how bad it is. Like this year, for instance, and you know, I don't want to throw my district under the bus because I love my district. I grew up in, in my district as a student and uh -huh. I'm proud to teach there and love it. But you know, like many other districts across the state, we, our scores were in decline yeah. after COVID years. And so this year I have felt more pressure to do mere test prep than, than probably any other year, which is crazy to me because I feel like we should be pulling away from it after what we know about how bad it's been for education as a whole. Yep. And yet it's like the, the scores decline further and further. And so our answer is to do more test prep rather than figure out like how to actually prepare like true learning experiences for kids so anyway I, you know a lot of pieces in in the puzzle but um but I think so yeah right. pay us more give us better training and a better curriculum one of my first couple of years teaching um i remember i had what we called an intensive math class for students that failed like our basic math course put them in another one 
they were block classes, and the hope is that with all the remediation and the practice and the hands-on with it, when they take their tests, they'll pass their tests. And they did, which was great. And so the next year I was rewarded with two intensive classes. Well, last year almost killed me. <laughs> like, it was a lot because you have students that are below grade levels of where they're at. But I also realized that as I got further along in my educational career, say like year 10, if I taught an intensive class and I'm still putting up that kind of effort, like you said, there was no reward at the end of the day or at the end of the year for everyone that passed their state standardized test. It was great, but I was getting the same pay as someone who was teaching honors courses. And a lot of those students were already self-motivated and they were they could learn on their own, essentially, did not need a whole lot of guidance and instruction as opposed to some of the other students that I was really, really serving. And like you said, there was not a huge incentive to be great in that role, especially when it was extremely exhausting and it was taxing. Um, I think your answer is definitely a solution that we see. I feel well, like there's not always a lot of value in education right now. Yeah. They go home and they hear their parents say, why are y'all even bother doing algebra? We didn't use, we don't, <laughs> I don't use that a single day in my life. And maybe they don't. And maybe we need to consider changing that culturally in America. There is a complete devaluation of education. So students don't care. There's no, and there's really no incentive in it for them. If their parents don't enforce you know, um, or hold them to that standard, then there is no incentive. They're going to be passed on to the next grade level. If they're not grade motivated, if they don't, if they don't care about the star test, then why, then why bother? You know, and we, and our district in particular has, you know, an overwhelming number of students that are not um, from this country. Yeah. And English is not their first language, so they are learning a whole new language, communication, way of life. And then we're like expecting them to take a star test. Yeah. You know, your second year you've been in this country and you got to take a graduation requirement. Yeah. That's asinine. They don't even know how to speak the language. Like, why is that not our first priority? That's that's just crazy to me. So it took him six years to finish, but every year he took at least one or two rounds of our state test. So there were eight different times that he failed the English one or and the English two state test. But he eventually passed the math, passed the science. But the English one, he was just like, oh, it's just not enough time. It takes me this long to process to read. And then I have to be able to formulate a sentence. And then I'm also referring to this this dictionary that's going to help me translate, but it took him forever to finish. And his transcript is the longest transcript I've seen because it has all classes on past classes, failed classes, classes that um, he did do well with. I will say this, he was super excited because he knew he was coming. The, like, the light at the end of the tunnel was very, very dim for a while. But when he finished, he knew that his diploma in the United States, because he was planning on going back to Korea, he was like, I already have a job lined up. I've been interviewing for jobs. And this high school diploma from the States is actually going to mean a whole lot for me in my home country. Yeah. Which I was glad to hear that, but his journey. It's wild. Yeah, it's a, it took a while. Probably one of the best accomplishments of any of my students this year. And yeah. I've got students doing a lot of good things. But yeah. This last summer, I did summer school for um, high school, the EOC2, which. English too. And I had a student in there 
and the first day I, you know, you're just kind of getting to know everybody. Yeah. He's from Ghana. Okay. And he didn't speak. He didn't, you know, answer any questions, you know, uh, just kind of doing this and whatever. And then he kept getting on his phone and watching video, YouTube videos. Yeah. And I was like, put your phone away, put your phone away, you know, you gotta listen, you gotta pay attention, and uh, you know, kind of rolling his eyes, put his phone away. But he kept taking his phone out. And then the second day, I noticed he was doing it again. So I came over and I was like, look, you gotta put that phone away. You cannot just be here. You're yeah. here for, you know, just a couple of weeks, and then you're gonna retest. You gotta focus. And he, you know, again, just kind of like, mm, you know. <laughs> so I finally pulled him aside and I was like, what is going on, you know? And he didn't speak English. Yeah. He did not understand what, what was going on. He could barely form a sentence to tell me what his name was. And so we find, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a jerk. I'm the world's <laughs> biggest jerk. So then we're, you know, we're doing Google Translate and whatever to find out. He's been in the country nine months. And he's sitting in here in summer school yeah. to take the English 2 EOC. Yep. So he can, I'm like, what is what even is this? This is just insane to me. This poor kid. I'm so, so heartbroken. You know, I was like, there's yeah. no way he's going to pass That's it. what I was going to say. Like, you, you no don't way. really have a shot at it. You, you got to write an essay on that thing. You can barely string a sentence together. No. There's, and it's a high school. Re it's, a, it's not like you can just take it and be done. Like, it's a high school graduation requirement. Yeah. And it keeps a handful of kids every year from receiving their actual diploma because you have not met all the requirements. I was going to ask you earlier, I think about myself in middle school, and I was a good student. I got pretty good grades. I like to talk a lot. And I always ask like fellow teachers, like, what would you have done with a student like me who is an A-B student? Like, what do you do with that kid? And, and I think about like my favorite teachers and then my least favorite ones. My least favorite ones probably held me more accountable than the other ones. But like, how do you deal with the classroom disruptions, or what would you do with a young, a young Quincy? <laughs> you have chatterbox. But you got to picture uh, me as little, yeah, so I'm yeah. not like six six. You got to picture yeah. like a, a five foot two version of me who's just five. Well, maybe like a five eight version who's trying yeah. to navigate his way through. Still quite a bit taller awkward. than me. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, so my classroom management style is, I would say, I wouldn't say like lax. Um, like I have high expectations of like we're going to work in here. Yeah. But also I don't, but it's pretty lenient as far as like conversation and talking. And I actually, it is horrible to me to have, I've had a couple of times classes that are just like really small. Like you've got like 12 or 15 kids and like no one says a word. Oh, yeah, and I'm just worse. up there, I'm like is this thing on like hello wake up you know yeah. um so i would rather have a class where i have talkative students but that know like hey it's time to take it down and let's let's get some work done those talkative kids usually i they're the ones that you connect with right because oh, they're outgoing and they're they come oh, yeah. and talk to you because ask you have questions conversations with you yeah the they're time. looking at your pictures on your desk and you're like oh who's that miss you know and <laughs> yeah. like you interact with them so you just get to know them better so yeah. it's, it's been very rare that i've had a student that i just did not like even even the one that i can think of <laughs> of my head like there were still some like connective things that happened with us and some redeeming qualities there that you know and he's memorable he is one of the mem most memorable forever i was the opposite of that i would not have wanted to ever talk to a teacher oh really not in junior high yeah no i was awkward and shy and 
please just put me at the back of the room and don't call on me and let's just let me do my work and call it a day. So, and then I was silly and talkative, you know, with my friends outside of class, but yeah, I probably would have done well in your class. I probably would have talked to you all the time. <laughs> for me, I think when I had teachers, I was like, all right, who is this person who is talking at me for 45 or 50 minutes? Like, what are you about? And so if you had a classroom that has things like decorated, for example, like Matt Smith, his classroom's got a whole Harry Potter theme, like a whole book reading yeah. note. He's got his favorite books up there. He's got Harry Potter books in seven or eight different languages. And so you're just like, all right, dude, like what's, what's, what's your thing with Harry Potter? Like, and so you ask that question. And so he's probably going to go into a, what do you mean? What do you want to know about it? And he'll sell you on it or ask you if you've read it and tell you why it should be a thing. But I'm like, I know this person's a human outside of school. Like, what do you do? Or do you just, like, go home and prepare to teach the next day? Like, yeah. what is life like for you? Like you said, if you keep trinkets on your desk, you got a picture of there's a guy in the background, there's the dogs in the background. I'm like, what kind of dog? Like, what do y'all do? Like, y'all go on hikes? Y'all do nature? Like, he likes outside? You like outside? Cool. Like, what's your dog's name? Like, does your dog match your personality? Do you have the same hairstyle as your dog? Like, like I ask all those things. And if you ever get into a classroom where the walls are all blank, I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about now? Yeah. And so then I would just go off on a tangent. And that would just depress me, I think, to be in this. <laughs> you know, I always tell my kids, like, I'm in, the, in this, during the school year, I'm in this one room for more hours a day than I am in my own home. Yes. You know, waking like, hours. And yes. so it's just like, why wouldn't I want it to be comfortable Inviting. for myself? Yeah, yes. if y'all like it, great. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, really, but like, I'm here too. Like, when yeah. y'all leave and go to the next class, I am still here yeah. doing what I do. You recently had your second daughter graduate. Yeah. Texas State. And let me know if this is the tradition. In cap and gown, jumped into the yep. river. In her gown, yeah, in her graduation gown, jumped into the river, right, the San Marcos River, right outside the auditorium, basically. And, and the water is warm all year round there, though, so the water was not cold. But when she, it was a really, really cold night, so uh-huh. when she got out, it was freezing. And is that uh, tradition, or is that that's tradition? She said yeah. She was oh yeah, there was hundreds of kids doing it, you know, jumping in. So it was good. Very proud of her. So she just started her first um, good girl job. Really? This week. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she was excited, nervous. It's to work from home a couple days a week. So, really? Okay. She so, was excited about that. So, there are jobs, like first career jobs. Mm-hmm. Is her job in the same realm as like what her major was? Well, she... her major was just business, uh-huh. uh, business communications, I think was the, uh, so, you know, it was pretty versatile. And then she's working in, um, in a company doing like customer service essentially for clients that are buying medical equipment from, okay. and it's a European company. I'm so sure. Be part of <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> a little guy walking by the table. <laughs> Do you know if working from home was something she was wanted to do as part of her job or just kind of, was that considered a perk for her? I think, yeah, definitely. Like this is a generation of students that had to do a lot of schooling from home if they were in school during COVID. Working from home is, for some of my friends now, they, they're seeking out those positions. Work from home, be productive, do my thing. I have goals and deadlines and whatnot, but I don't have to physically go to that brick and mortar building anymore. I think it's cool that you can be fresh out of college and have a job where you have some work from home time. Like plenty of different fields are they're shifting toward that now. Yeah, um, I think it. I think it was definitely a perk for her. I think my younger daughter's a little bit more like me in that 
I don't know that I would be successful working 100% from home. So uh, I just crave, you know, interaction with other humans. <laughs> yeah, I was like, human life Social, is you know, and I think she would enjoy that too. My older daughter, Haley, for a while was working five days a week from home mm. in her job, and she loved that. She's a little more introverted, and so it was comfortable. To but yeah, I mean, I think for some people, it's a great opportunity, um, 100%. you know, as long as you can get your work done. It's not, it wasn't great for teaching. But. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, <laughs> teaching is one of those professions that it makes it increasingly more difficult to be an educator from a screen and you're hoping that the 29 students in your class are all paying attention. But you can tell on their Zoom or whatever link they were using, you see ceiling fans going on. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going it on just, in the back room. It takes a level of self-discipline that I think most students that are younger, especially younger students, don't have. I mean, even for some adults don't have that level yeah. of self-discipline where they can be successful at that. It can be hard to, you know. Some people need somebody else saying where to be and when to be there and what to do, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but some people can be more self-starters and 12-year-olds, yeah. not so much. <laughs> it's, a for sure. it's a rarity. <laughs> Outside of the education world, you are an author. Well, I'm a writer. I guess technically, until I publish, I'm not an author. Oh, an author has to be published. Yeah. Okay. Technically, so I think I'm that's still the distinction. a writer as well. Yeah. Okay. I'm an aspiring author. I, yes. And so yeah. you said you have an idea for a second one as well? Yeah, I just um, just started, just barely dipped my toe into it, so just yeah. getting started on But I've, I've been chewing on this idea for a while, mm -hmm. um, but I just hadn't let myself explore it yet. Mm -hmm. um, actually on paper, um, just kind of tossing around in my brain, because I wanted to really focus on the first one and making sure I kind of saw it through and, and yeah. got it to a certain point. You know, just kind of waiting. So I have an agent with that first book, and that, that's big time. Yeah, I'm excited. Like, an so, agent. That is huge. Yeah, is is in the process of shopping around publishers for me to try to get uh -huh. a book deal, which may or may not happen. I mean, there are plenty of people who get to this point and have an agent, and it still doesn't doesn't pan out, or yeah. you know, um, until it actually is like, here's your hard copy in your hands, and anything yeah. can happen to where it still doesn't really pan out. So I'm just trying to be optimistic. I love writing. I love the process. I love having a creative outlet. This next one is based on some true events that happened to my great-grandmother. I'm really excited about that, sort of a historical fiction that is slightly biographical so. of my, of my great-grandmother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a story that she passed on to my grandmother and great uncle on her deathbed and was like, hey, by the way, this crazy thing happened to me when I was little and uh -huh. I never told anyone, so here, I need you to know. So you never met your great grandmother? I did, yeah. Okay. She she passed, I was in my early 20s. Oh, so when you, she oh, passed, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we've all, um, we all became mothers fairly young, so um, for a while we had five generations alive what? at once, and so oh it was my girl's great great grandmother. But so yeah, your girls have your girls met your great grandmother yeah, as well. Yeah, they have memories of her even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. And I'm very fortunate to still have my grandmother around. She passed the story on to me, and you know, has basically asked me to write it, and so yeah. I said I would, you know. Because it's just sort of like bits and pieces of really the whole picture. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm gonna have to take a little bit of artistic liberty with it and yeah. kind of fill in some gap. But I'm excited. I've been kind of like re doing a little bit of research. It was in Oklahoma that it took place kind of the time period. And so okay. um, 
learning and writing and being creative. And it's kind of, you know, close to my heart because it's um, family. <laughs> Storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of avenues for self-publishing. Um, so, you know, if all else fails with traditional publishing, I, I could go... I could go that route. Very good. But um, and and I and I may I did I did hear that if you do that you it's pretty much impossible to get traditional publisher after, after you self published. So yeah. you have to kind of make a call as to what what avenue you want to take. So I'm gonna try this route first, and then we'll see. You know. Okay. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. You know, we, we talked a little bit about like staying and teaching and whatnot. So yeah. I think, you know, that's my plan. I'll just say, unless this, unless this writing gig just really takes I mean, up. <laughs> if you become a best, uh, the New York Times bestseller. Yeah. If I could just even make, you know, a lucrative income, you know, enough to have, you know, my teaching salary and then a little, a little more, yeah. I would, it would be worthwhile. Oh, 100%. To do it full time. would be the dream. That is the dream? Yeah. My earliest memories of wanting to write were about third grade. Our teacher made us write poetry. I was excited and, and thought mine was great, of course, you know, as little <laughs> third graders do. And then we had to meet in partners and share poems. And so I met with one of my classmates and her name was Tova. I can remember her very, Tova, Tova very vividly. Uh -huh. And she read me her poem and it was so incredibly better than mine. <laughs> And I was like, and I remember her. I remember her reading it to me. Her, her poem is called "I Wish," mm -hmm. and she was writing about all these things that she wished for, and and it rhymed. And then she had these like interspersed lines where she would just say, "I wish, I wish, I wish." But I don't know. Something in my third grade mind thought that was just brilliant the way that she put it. And I just yeah, remember she, this like being in awe of how she put her words together and yeah. thinking, "Oh, I love that. I wanna, I wanna do that." And so. Um, and then in sixth grade, I think was when I was started to take get taken of the idea like that could actually be a career, you know. And my sixth grade teacher really encouraged me to write, yeah. and um, she was the first person to really say like, "You're a good writer." I still have some of my sixth grade creative writing folder, like journals and folders. Yeah, well, you keep, but um, you keep and I, I was like, she would show me books, and she's like, "You know, you could write a book. Like, you could do this." And and I was like. You think so? Somebody does that as a job? Like, yeah. whoa! Yep. Um, yeah, so that would be, you know, dream come true. In, in fourth grade, I think, is when we had to write a play. We had to submit it, and I wrote something that I thought was pretty decent. I was like, this takes so much thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and I really wasn't committed to the project all like that. For me, it was like an assignment. Like, let me get this thing done. I think that's really cool that that's the end game. Yeah. Like you can do this full time. It could be the next chapter. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just want to write. I just want to be creative. Yeah. And um, enjoy that part of it and like maybe make some money off it. That would be awesome, obviously. But like, and you want that, right? I mean, you want to be like somebody who has some prestige and like reputation and like obviously like that's how you make money. And then if it does become something you want to develop, you have that option. I mean, there's obviously people who are brilliant writers, but then there's just, it doesn't always just boil down to like whether you're a good writer or not. A lot of it is like, are you marketable as a person? Yeah. You know, your image, does it fit with what is desirable right now or could be marketable in the mainstream, you know? And so, how far can it know, go? Let me just get my notebook and pen out. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for 
talking with me. Oh, girl, please. I do this all the time. Thank you for wearing a microphone. And yes, while wearing a mic, I'd like to say that's a wrap. Meredith, thank you for your friendship over the past almost decade now, I would say. This was fun. I like how we can sit and have conversation about the things we are really passionate about doing, whether it be in the classroom, education, being proud parents. And then on top of that, the writing. That is a huge part of what's coming for you. It's a huge part of what I hope to complete this year, finish, publish, and market, and get this thing going. Talking back to the Teacher Podcast, this episode, sponsored by Trends by Tory Store, on Etsy, Trends by Tory Store. Look her up. Great jewelry, great quality, a lot of hard work put into that. Also, you guys got to check out the Grindhouse Coffee Company. You'll see them on Facebook. Good brother. Great product. I endorse it. I stand by it. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in advertising on the podcast, reach out to me. Talking back to the teacher podcast at gmail.com. Coming up all next month, I've got entrepreneurs. We're highlighting entrepreneurs from my hometown. So there's a lot of pride behind these next few episodes. Um, some good dudes, great businesses, community guys, family guys. You're really going to enjoy it. So tap in, especially if you are from the state of Ohio or if you have connections to Lorraine County. You're not going to want to miss this. These these guys have put their foot down. They have taken knowledge, opportunities, risks, and it's been paying off in a major way for them. So, again, be blessed. Talking back to the Teacher Podcast. Appreciate you.